20th episode of the Opvag Cast, and joining me this week, I've got Adam Myros. Howdy, sir. What are you drinking tonight, Adam? Oh, I am drinking the, uh, the very expensive uh, limited edition Rogue Sriracha Hot Stout. It sounds like you've had a couple. <laughs> How many other uh, things have you been drinking tonight? Well, let's let's limit it to what I'm drinking now. If we were, that would be a long list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we only have like an hour or so, so yeah, we should probably. Yeah, it might it might take up a substantial. Portion. Yeah, we only got an hour until the next program starts. Is it is it good? Is it uh, what what is it? Spicy? What do you got? You know, I recommend it. It's it's a pretty excellent stout. It's got that little afterburn, but it's not it's not like you're drinking sriracha sauce here. It's it's a good beer. All right, not gonna give me heartburn. Eh. Depends how prone to heartburn That's, you are. I'm pretty give, prone. It's not going to give me heartburn, but it might give you heartburn. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, we also got Sean Glittis with us today. Sean, what are you drinking? Uh, we started with uh, some Great Lakes Oktoberfest. That was really nice. Now I've moved on to Oddside Ales out of Grand Haven, Michigan. Uh, they have a Mayan mocha stout, which is nice. It also has, it's like very spicy. Coffee, cinnamon, nutmeg, and habaneros. I think it's better than this rogue stuff. You guys are all drinking bougie, spicy man beers tonight. Oh, please, what are you? What are you? What are you drinking? The Miller Lite. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I I drink. America's beer, Miller Lite. No, uh, I'm I'm drinking a uh, diet ginger ale. Oh, okay. Hey, some of us, some of us went like to Landmark last night and drank way too much. So okay, good. I'm glad you clarified that. Couldn't we just say like, what did you drink last night? Then I mean, um, like, I'm drinking a, a frosty ginger ale. I'm. What did I drink last night? Nothing good. Uh, <laughs> I drank a bunch of dark and stormies, and then I That's had. Delicious. Sounds pretty. Yeah, good. I mean that was good. That was good. I started off respectable, and then we went to Landmark, and Landmark is not a respectable place to be. But it's amazing. Yeah, it's basically like a giant bar bowling alley dungeon in Milwaukee. If if you're not familiar. Slash like flooded basement. Yeah, slash flooded basement. It kind of smells like feet and pee, but in in the best way possible. And uh, yeah, I drank a bunch of tequila, just just tons and tons of tequila. Cause at a bowling alley, you at a bowling alley, at least drink like Pabst Blue Ribbon or something. No, well, I was I was drinking the tequila because uh, the bartender wasn't charging us. She, <laughs> I don't know, she took a liking to me and Ryan and was just giving us drinks. So I was like you guys hit the landmark. We we really did. It was good. Like, the land mine or no, something no, 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 like no, no, that, yeah. like some some okay. sort of Although you know, it wasn't a big loss though because it, it was. There's no way that the bottle of tequila she was pouring from cost more than like six dollars. It was it was not okay. Anyway, we also got Jake Trapila. Speaking of tequila, hey, aloha, uh, aloha, hey. Oh, we're gonna get to that soon. Let's. I just want to say, um, the viewers won't hear this, but we when Steve, when you said I'd need ten seconds of silence. And then I hear between Sean and Adam, they, one of them goes, I need help finishing this. And then I hear glasses <laughs> clinking and pouring. <laughs> and then Steve goes, I'm going to kill you both. <laughs> That's right. Well, we're supposed Which to is really, I mean, it, me and me and Myros have known each other for like a decade or longer. And I mean, that that little brief 10 second snippet is, is kind of like the foundation of our friendship, I'd say. Like that's that's the last 10 years in a nutshell. Yeah, Jake, very- Jake uh, we're, we're, uh, we got an over under on what you're drinking. I'm going to guess La Croix. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> Sparkling <laughs> water. 
Uh, yeah, no, just plain water. Ah. Plain old no glass bubbles. of water. That's right. No bubbles? Yeah. No bubbles, no. But what kind of, what kind of L.A. boy are you, Jake? You're living your life wrong, man. Mm-hmm. No, I actually don't drink. It's a long story. I don't want to get into it. Yeah. You're probably yeah. better off for it. That's where yeah. I'm going to be in 10 years with my Keith Richards liver that I'm perfecting right now. <laughs> uh, so this week, I just want to say whoever's idea this was, I, I hate you. And I think it might have been my idea, so I might hate myself. I don't know. It's cooperative. But somehow in our group I'll text message. I'll go back message, to the text message. Yeah, Jake, do, do a little investigative reporting here. Um, I blame Sean Glennon. I, well, yeah, I blame Sean for most oh, things in my Jake life. Jake is looking this up. This is the Venti uh, VentiVac cast. That's right. The 20th uh, episode is a big, uh, big milestone for all of us. But anyways, we were talking in the, uh, in the group text message, and we decided for some reason that we were going Aloha. to do an Aloha. In- Oh, Aloha. Okay. Got it. Sean said it. He said, Camera Crows Aloha made it to the interwebs, which I feel is ripe for OV discussions. Okay. So that is why it is Sean Glennis' fault. So we're going to talk about Cameron Crow today. Which this is the Crowdown, people. It, this is the official Crowdown. Crowdown 2K15 is here. Hope you brought your lays and I'm not talking about <laughs> potato chips because we're going to be talking Aloha. Um, Cameron Crowe, person I have not thought about in a very long time. I saw Almost Famous when I was in high school, and I was like, that's pretty cool. And then I saw it a few years later. I was like, no, it's not. And How Are we going to do this chronologically? How do you guys want to do this? I think we should start with Aloha because I just watched it this morning, and it, it was okay. like the worst way to start my day. So I wake up <laughs> with this horrible tequila hangover. All right. And it's like eight in the morning, and my girlfriend bought a car today, so we had to like drive to Chicago to get the car, and it was a whole to do. But before we did that, I knew I had to watch Aloha, so I sat down with the Hangover at eight in the morning and watched just a, a giant train wreck of a movie. And it's it's the kind of bad too where you can tell that everyone involved just does not give a shit. I have never seen more people that are considered like <laughs> talented actors and actresses just phoning it in. And nobody yeah, that, cares. It's terrifying. Cue Bill I, Murray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I saw. I have not watched Aloha. I will. I will never watch Aloha. But <laughs> just like again, having recent access to cable television and watching a few things on demand, it's it's one of those movies that they like pepper you with like, hey, now on demand, Aloha, and it's just like. Bill Murray robot just pops on screen. He's like, I am Bill Murray. I hope you enjoy this it's Cameron like, Crow film. Aloha. He's like, you thought I was, you thought I wasn't trying during Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, his performance, he actually, there's one good scene in the entire movie and it is a Bill Murray scene. And there's this part where, uh, Bradley Cooper meets Bill Murray's character, uh, in Hawaii, of course, because Aloha. And, Bill Murray just like walks up behind him and just gives him this really long, uncomfortable back rub in front of a whole bunch of people. And it just goes on for way too long. It's just a super long, uncomfortable scene. And that's about it. That's literally the only funny thing he does. I like the I, well, yeah, well, um, not that it was funny, but I like the scene where he was dancing with uh, what's her name? Oh, Emma Stone. Emma Which, Stone, yeah. And, and before we get into the, you know, the ins and outs of the plot, let me just say that this is a movie. Which is about Bradley Cooper and Emma Stone, sort of. I don't know. It's about a lot of things and uh, Rachel a McAdams. lot of bullshit. Yeah, and Rachel McAdams. Kind of this weird, like, love triangle, trying to find out who I really am type of story. But Emma Stone's character, who, if you're not familiar, familiar uh, Emma Stone is, like, literally the whitest woman alive. 
And her character is supposed to be like half Chinese and half Hawaiian. Quarter. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, a quarter Hawaiian. Yeah. And she is just huh. literally the whitest human being I've ever seen in my entire life. But her last name yeah. is is N N G. Yeah, it's like Ring, yeah, yeah. It, it's not it. it it's like, what did she say? It's like ring. Without it's the like R. without the R and without the I, and it's just the <laughs> ing. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Jesus. So, thank you, thank you, Cameron Crowe, for doing that. That was. I haven't seen this, but I want to die already. So, uh, uh, yeah, Steve, uh, kind of explain just like very quickly the plot, and then uh, we can kind of just dive in. Um. Okay. Bradley Cooper is like an army guy, and he's like a like a an engineer of some sort, like aerospace engineer, super smart dude, and he takes a contract job in Afghanistan. And he steals a bunch of money while he's down there because he's a little bit scummy. And then somebody shoots a missile in his face. So he's all limpy and nobody wants to give him a job. But then Bill Murray's like, I'm going to launch a satellite into space. I am a robot. Because I am a robot who is like (laughs) basically that Virgin Records guy who wants to launch things into space. Like that's, that's the character. And he used to, um, for instance, uh, uh, Bradley Cooper, um, used to, uh, date, I think Rachel McAdams, who is now married to a fellow army brat, John Krasinski, who, uh, does a wonderful job playing Jim from the office. Mm-hmm. Um, if Jim, if Jim from the office was a mute. Yeah. Right. Well, I was going to say Jim, Jim from the office in that one episode where, uh, him and, uh, pa- uh Pam, Pam jinxed each other and he couldn't talk for the episode. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much his character. And it's, yeah, it's kind of like, like this, like running gag. And then at the end they're like him and Bradley Cooper are just looking at each other and Cameron oh, Crowe is like, started I'm so that. cutesy. I'm going to put little subtitles on the bottom because they're just communicating telepathically or something. I don't know. I like that. We're starting with Aloha. I didn't expect that, but I like because, uh, <clears throat> it sort of, uh, epitomizes a lot of, or rather regurgitates a lot of the themes that, that he's been using for a while. Um, very like, or not even themes, but devices. Um, sure. first of all, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, about white guys, uh, after they've made a mistake movie. So his, his, um, precipitous, precipitous event is always a dude who made a big mistake that like the movie always thinks is like a bigger mistake than, uh, it actually is in real life. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like super easy to course correct in real life. Um, <clears throat> like uh, also, I couldn't, what, what'd you say, Jake? I said like in Elizabeth town, but we'll get right. to that. And, and Jerry Maguire. Um, yeah. why'd I ask as someone who has not seen a low what was this uh, grand mistake that he made? Um, well, he makes a lot of grand mistakes. He <laughs> likes to have sex with lots of beautiful women who still love well, him, and, but he doesn't like love much them. Of a mistake, no, well, I mean, it, it is for Bradley Cooper, and then the whole like I stole money from Afghanistan right, it was kind right. of well. A dick. That sounds like more of a yes. mistake, right? You stealing yeah. money from a war torn nation and so, getting injured—that was his fault from too. Traumatic yeah. issue than sleeping with gorgeous women, right? <laughs> so that's his big—that's uh, his big theme. Uh, Cameron Crowe um, is white guys after they've made a mistake and how lovable they are. Um, but how how vulnerable they are. Um, <clears throat> another thing that I cannot stand that I couldn't believe watching Aloha that he did again was uh, opening up on <laughs> white guy voiceover. Um, it's oh, God, yeah, tolerable. I don't know. I, d- does this? I guess we will get to it. Yeah, but uh, I'm interested 
because I know it happens in Elizabethtown and Jerry Maguire, but yeah. oh man, it's so bad. It's the same exact thing every single time. Well, and, and this and that kind of ties back into the whole idea of everyone in the movie Aloha doesn't want to be there. Like they're just totally phoning everything in, and that opening monologue. It honestly, it, it seems like Bradley Cooper is he just picked up the script for the first time and is just doing <laughs> like a cold read of the yeah. opening monologue. It's yeah. horrible. It's kind of like this whole movie. I thought it was kind of like if Jerry Maguire, in Jerry Maguire, if if his ex wanted him back. Instead of thinking that he was a loser. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about Aloha too. So this this could be like this this could be a Cameron Crowe movie that I didn't enjoy, but it was like I could just deal with it. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't like Almost Famous. I'm not in love with Jerry Maguire, but if if they're on, I can I can deal with their existence. But the thing that pushes Aloha over the edge is it just it does so many dumb things that it thinks is either cute or profound like right. the whole John Krasinski doesn't talk except him and Bradley Cooper can still communicate thing that's dumb as fuck um also there's this whole subplot going to the whole thing like some James Bond like there's <laughs> secret missiles inside of the satellite because why not that's a thing yeah. and then the other thing is too is they focus in on like all this like native Hawaiian mysticism. I mean, and mm-hmm. and it's it doesn't even go through the whole movie. Like they'll just get really into it for about two minutes, and then the movie like, totally forgets about it, and then it gets back it's like into family, it. Family, family's really important, to you guys, huh? Yeah, but yeah. I, at one point, Amanda Culture came in and she was she was like watching part of the movie with me, and she's like, "Oh, what the fuck is this?" And I went to take a piss, and I came back, and she's like, "Yeah, you just missed the part where." Um, like Bradley Cooper and and Emma Stone saw like the magical ghosts of Hawaii or something like yeah yeah it's like the uh, the magical black man trope but in Hawaii yeah that's <laughs> that's pretty much that's what it is basically so it's it's so weird I don't know why he thought this was a good idea like did no one edit this I guess no one needed to edit it because he wrote it he directed he produced hey, he's got it. carte blanche yeah. he's a maverick <laughs> he's a real maverick <laughs> oh it's huge it's <laughs> Yeah, he's Nothing. he's just cashing in on all that zoo money. Yeah, yeah. it does remind me like, uh, um, shoot, now I can't think of it. But uh, it seems like he's at that point where he's past, he's past jumping the shark, where he's he's gone gone into ridiculousness. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah, to d- me d- describe- delved into self parody. Yeah, yeah. When you describe this plot to me, it's, it re- if I were to like make it uh, analogous to any other film. As someone who hasn't seen it, it sounds almost like shallow hell. <laughs> one of the most folly-filled uh, scripts I've ever seen in my day, and con- just conceptually irrational. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's hot garbage. Like I I can't even fathom like the fact that this has a thirteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like I I can't even. Like, the, yeah. Yeah. Who who is like oh, this is okay? Okay. So, Armand uh, White. Jake, then uh, <laughs> uh, do you see anything else in in Aloha that that you you because um, I think you dove into this man's career uh, more heavily than all of us? Are there other things that are manifest in here that that are evident of his career arc? Here's what I'll say: um, watching all of them, I watched. I didn't watch them all necessarily in order, but I watched Aloha pretty late into the game, and it, it doesn't even feel like a movie. If that makes sense, it, it's yeah. it's a it's a complete and utter patchwork of just a bunch of you know See? Cameron Crow tropes, tropes, and tropes, tropes. Yeah, I'm calling him that. Danny McBride plays a soldier nicknamed Fingers who has restless fingers, oh, and that's his character. 
Yeah. It, the it, whole time, it, he's playing an invisible harp on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, don't remind me. It, it, yeah, it's basically me. like, what if Danny McBride just... And, and Danny McBride, of course, he's a guy who normally only plays Danny McBride in, in movies. He doesn't have, like, a big He's a guy range. who should never be in <laughs> But yeah, like, that's all it is. It's just like, oh, what if, you know, his character from Eastbound and Down just, like, had restless fingers? That's it. That's his whole character. That's exactly Whenever right. I see a Danny McBride film, I, I just say to myself, what if... Danny McBride were never born. Oh, God, what a wonderful world. He's got we that great hair. Land of the Lost to watch. That's, that is true. And what, what's that other movie he made? It was like the stoner comedy in, uh, in like medieval year, times. Year oh, Your Highness. Yeah, Your Highness. There you go. James I, I prefer to purge from memory every movie Danny McBride <laughs> has ever been involved with. Yeah. Uh, that's that's fair. the least funny human on earth. <laughs> So uh, another thing that this movie does, which is, I, I think it's this is probably the one thing when you say Cameron Crow, I think you think of two things. You think of one, no matter what happens, everything's going to get tied up all neat and pretty with a bow in the end. And yep. music. And, and two is is just oh, is just the music, oh, yeah. the music. Yeah, so soundtrack's got to be killer, right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> tears, tears for fears is on there. Okay. Tears for fears is on the soundtrack. Yes, that is true. <laughs> is it? Are they gonna shout it? Shout it out? Or no, what? they want to. No. Well, yeah, I... and Alec Baldwin specifically requests it by the DJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure it has some deep meaning. Uh, what's more egregious in um, <clears throat> uh, Aloha? Is uh, that the soundtrack is by? Is it Yoni or Yancy? I can't Jonesy? remember. Yoni. It is Yoni. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, pronounced Yoni. I believe that. Yoni, I believe. Anyway, Yoni, the, it's the Sugaros shit. Uh, Shitaros, um, dude. <laughs> We're not we're not denouncing all uh, cigarettes. Uh, no, but you on know, the virtue of them uh, participating in a Cameron Crowe shit fest. <laughs> no, but it was kind of like it seemed to me like Cameron Crowe's like. Oh man, you know what would be great in this movie? Cigarettes. Oh wait, I can't do that. That's too. That's too passe. Uh, maybe I can can get him to create his own music for me. Uh, but but at the time that it came out, which was last year or this year, I don't even. Was it this year? I think it was this year. Yeah, he was like, you know, yeah. what's hot that Bon Iver stuff. Can you make it sound like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, every single song just sounds like I don't know, like a Bob Dylan throwaway track being sung by like an Icelandic weasel voice man. It's it's really uncomfortable to listen to. <laughs> I'm keen. On, I'm keen on Sean's assertion that Cameron Crowe's worried about what's current in right, the soundtracks, right. whereas uh, pretty much every film he makes is is a good ten to fifteen years in the past on the soundtrack, where the, it's just like solely mining. Whoa. Nostalgia endlessly, like hey, well, I mean, th- let's yeah. let's fucking uh, hey, remember the eighties? That that'd be great. Well, I uh, think I think to support uh, your support of me, if that makes sense, um, I'm not supporting you. I'm decrying you. Uh, but <laughs> but to, speak, to speak larger to um, Cameron Crowe's worry about being relevant, um, when when I was trying to watch Elizabeth Town. Um, uh, I was reminded of a band that uh, is called My Morning Jacket. Oh, yeah. Which, which the My Morning Jacket's height of popularity was certainly exactly when Elizabeth Taylor right. released, right? 2007, the, the 2005. Exact, the exact My Morning Jacket's popularity, 2000. So, so yeah, yeah. It's not like it's not like uh, yeah. He wasn't. He was picking out stuff that's in the zeitgeist. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, well into the past. So. 
he's playing on that nostalgic note. Sure. That's um, kind of his bread and butter. You know, he plays on this sort of, uh, okay. hey, remember those good times when you were 15? Uh, huh, my name's Cameron Crowe. <laughs> you, you, think, you think that's how he, he talks to people? He, <laughs> he just it. walks up that's and he goes, uh, and then he says his name? Hey, <laughs> hey uh, Cameron Crowe. You should write hey. for Family Guy. Yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, there you go. When you were 15? Now, I... Myros, Myros, I made something really oh, special today. Stone. So b- before I'm a Rolling Stone writer, <laughs> I am a Rolling Stone, and, and you know it was hip. I was almost famous. <laughs> uh, bon Iver was a real jam. Bon Iver. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so do we have anything else to say about Aloha besides Sayonara? Oh, I, I'm uh, tr- I'm trying to get I'm trying to get a word in here, but Myros is too busy doing his Cameron Crow impersonation. So. <laughs> To me, Cameron Crowe. Oh my God! See, this is why you and Sean need separate microphone inputs so I can mute you. Um, <laughs> I was thinking, uh, and this—I I didn't think very hard about this, but you know, when I—I um, I, I sent you that text or whatever, and I was like, "Okay, give me five minutes," or when you called me. Sure. Uh, while I was getting Skype set up, I, I really quick—I opened up uh, my like video editing software, and I made a really quick mashup because I was thinking. Cameron Crowe has all these critically acclaimed movies, but what about all the movies that Cameron Crowe didn't direct? So I had a few ideas, but I think this one's my favorite. So I'm going to play this for you guys, and I want you to tell me what you think. Okay. This is very important. Hold on, it's loading. Uh-oh, we got a sound bite. Buffering. 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 Oh, oh, shit. Let me check it out. That's the hype. Newest latest. Let me tell you the story of right hand, left hand. It's a tale of good and evil. Hey, it was with this hand that Cain iced his brother. Love. All my instincts, they return. The grand facade, so soon will burn. What do you guys think? Do the right crow. Do the Is right crow. Say the right thing. Say the right thing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I also, I, I had another one that I wanted to do, but I didn't have time to do it. And um, you, you guys have all seen uh, Dancer in the Dark, the, the Lars von Trier movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. my, my first... Well, much better than any movie we'll discuss. I watch, it, I watch it as I go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. So uh, my first thought with that was um, obviously to do Tiny Dancer with Dancer in the Dark. But then I was like, no, that doesn't really fit. Like, that's not crow enough. So... <laughs> What I was what I was gonna do is I was gonna take the whole end prison scene and if you haven't seen the movie it's about Bjork and she's blind and she's wrongly accused of murder and then they they she dies at the end they kill her in prison uh, and, and so the scene right before where they hang her I, I was gonna I was gonna have that and then I was just gonna play uh, the part from Jerry Maguire where he sings Free Fallen uh, but I, I just I didn't have the time so that's for next time. <laughs> Uh, the next Cameron Crow. The, ne- the next, the next Crow down we have. One more, but, one more thing uh, in Aloha. Bradley, hell freezes over. That's Bradley we... Cooper blows up a satellite. Yeah, yeah, Bradley Cooper blows up a satellite, and the, and he blows up a satellite in literally the most Cameron Crow way humanly possible. With because every sound bite in on the internet. Yeah, he play. Every, he, yeah, he blows up a satellite with all that. Like that's so Cameron Crow. It was incredible like if cameron crow was gonna blow something up that's how he would do it he would what do it with fuck? music how yeah blow it up with like the who's greatest hits yes actually that's sure part that's of it there, yeah. yeah like a rolling it. stone pops up and uh yeah. all, all this stuff okay okay he's so, got a f- go ahead sean oh no i'm done with aloha so get okay. in class 
I, I got to say one more thing, yeah. too. After he blows up the satellite, like, it's this big moment where it's just like, okay, he did the right thing because the satellite had missiles on it. But now he said- he's going to have to, like, pay the price. Like, he's going to get in trouble. And then there's this whole scene where Alec Baldwin's yelling at him, and you're like, okay, well, this makes sense. And then at the end, because Cameron Crowe, uh, not only does he get the girl, which doesn't make any sense, but which for... Which girl does he get? Which girl? Uh, Emma Stone. Oh, Okay. And, and then, personally, I'd be going for Rachel McAdams. Well, you, you, know, you and I both. She's but. aged quite gracefully. She's a she's a gorgeous uh, lassie. Okay, well, the the other thing that happens, Myros. Yeah, well, boy, that yeah. Rachel McAdams is killing it in True Detective season two. Okay, you really like some yeah. Emma Stone? Yes. Us? Yes. Oh, the, you want some half Asian fake? <laughs> Quarter, yeah. quarter. <laughs> I'm gonna take myself an honest woman like Rachel McAdams. <laughs> an honest woman. All right, Myros. The other thing that happens too is even though, woman. even though the entire time, oh, like we're God. being told that Bradley Cooper's basically gonna go to prison for blowing up a satellite, which seems like what should happen if you yeah, blow a yeah, satellite. Sure. Uh, at the end, they're just like, "Nah, you're actually okay. What you did was good. We decided." And then it ends. You're like, "Wait." So what? at the end is like Bill Murray popping and go, "I am a Bill Murray." Automaton. No, no. Bill, Bill, Bill Murray gets he gets arrested for putting missiles in a satellite, which is a no-no. Okay, okay. Yeah. So can't, can't done, okay, so we all came into this crowdown uh, of the Venti Vatcast um, expecting to not like Aloha. It was critically panned, and it didn't do it any favors that uh, Emma Stone played uh, Porter Hawaiian. Uh, so, so outside of that. We, I, I feel like a lot of us had, have seen a lot of King Crow, but it's been quite in the past. But there might have also been uh, blind spots that uh, we covered in this. So what, uh, can you guys speak to your expectations, Steve and Jake, going sure. into this? Well, I, I think that like w- when I went into this, I figured most of his stuff, like I wouldn't like it and it would just be like bland. You know, it'd be like just eating a bowl of oatmeal because when I think of – Cameron Crowe movies, when I think of things like Almost Famous and Jerry Maguire, they're just things that are like playing on TNT at like four o'clock on a Saturday and Uh it's just on and it's like background noise and it exists and and that's Mm -hmm. it. Uh, but I, I was surprised when I watched Aloha. I was like, I I could barely sit through it. It was just, it was killing me. Okay. Uh, I, I, so this is a callback. Uh, I couldn't remember, but I feel like it's, uh, analogous to James L. Brooks's How Do You Know? Um, Aloha, where where they're from these respective directors or respected directors, but uh, you kind of know going into them that they're going to be garbage. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. That's fair. Jake, how about you? Like, what what did you think <laughs> this well, experience going to be like as someone who <laughs> Jake, tortured himself? Jake, pardon my pardon my interruption, but I just wanna, sure. What is this? Pardon pardon the interruption. <laughs> pardon, yeah, I'm Tony Kornheiser here. <laughs> Hey, uh, pardon my interruption. um, Will you just say what you're going to say before I kill you? (laughs) What I'm going to say is uh, James L. Brooks is not not Cameron Crowe. I mean, we could uh, could say, how do you know? And we could try and make an analogous to Aloha, but these directors are not the same. James L. Brooks has made brilliant films. He also made Spanglish. Sorry. Yes, he did. He made Spanglish. He's done. He he has yes, he yeah. has in the parlance of our opback, uh, shark the jump. But uh, he's not Cameron Crowe. Right. He's he he was he's there was a point where he was making masterpieces, and there was no point where Cameron Crowe correct was making masterpieces. And, and if you think mm-hmm. otherwise, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know. 
we're going to have some duking. We're going to have some duking. I'm going to put up some fisticuffs, and we're, we're going to have uh, some bloodied faces. <laughs> and I, I, t- I tend to think, Jake, Jake, if you're yeah. going to defend Cameron Crowe, <laughs> It's not going to happen. One of us is going to have a bloody lip. One of us is going to have a bloody lip, and it ain't going to be me. He's not. He's not. You, you, you don't have to threaten to punch him from across the country through hey, the internet. I'm, I'm he's not. I don't think that, he's defending I'm Cameron Crowe. That motherfucker. I'm threatening. <laughs> hey, Jake. Yeah, Adam. I dare you to defend motherfucking Cameron Crowe. <laughs> I'm coming for you, motherfucker. All right, Adam. Let me just say, off topic. I watched broadcast news for the first time two weeks ago, and I thought it was wonderful. It's a pretty sexy movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> that you know. That hurt, Shadow Penis. Yeah, boy, that oh, yeah. hurt. That would hurt. Disney Rabbits, too? Your heart. Yeah, no, that was a great film. Um, <laughs> Which might, uh, I mean, pardon the interruption part two. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, my brother sent me a text the other day saying that he realized that uh, uh, The Hurt Locker wasn't uh, starring William Hurt. As the, uh, as the titular only, hurt. If fucking only. Then maybe that cannon wouldn't have been so full of shit. <laughs> William oh, Hurt that? sold that role. I'd have fucking nominated it myself. Oh, he was the titular locker. Yeah, <laughs> he held okay. everybody's ahead, stuff. Ahead, All right. So I knew literally nothing about Aloha regarding plot. I'd never seen a trailer. I'd seen most of Cameron Crowe's films up until this point. All I knew was the Rotten Tomatoes score. And I was honestly a little excited because I wanted to watch something crash and burn into flames so hard i was you know i was ready for the train wreck to happen and it never did it just was consistently dull and awful and not good and it's you know it's just a very bad bland parody of a cameron crow film there's nothing redeeming about it so what i want to know though jake is since since you watched all of these um and you know (laughs) and hopefully we'll get to touch on most of them but is there any one that that stood out to you as like not awful? Basically, like did like was Jerry Maguire compulsively I would say watchable? Jerry Maguire, yeah, Jerry Maguire is the Jerry. most watchable. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. I think Jerry Maguire is probably the most watchable of his um, filmography. I I would agree with that 100 percent because I, I think yeah with with Almost Famous the, the other like it's on TV. I guess it can just be on, and I won't pay too much attention. Movie in his uh, uh, filmography. I think that like there's there's still some groan worthy moments in Almost Famous, whereas Jerry Maguire, it's I mean it's just kind of like a dude bro comedy with a, a squishy sentimental center, but it's like it's it's pretty watchable. Yeah. So you guys you guys are going to talk about uh, the, the merits of Jerry Maguire, yeah? Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Jonathan Lipnicki is my hero. All right, oh. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this opportunity to go uh, drain the vein. Okay, so uh, you, you you mentioned Lipnicki, which uh, <clears throat> so I watched Jerry Maguire, and it was my first time in a while uh, that I watched it all the way through, and I was kind of excited, um, and uh, I watched it, and I had my thoughts, and we'll get to that later, um, but uh, I can't pass up uh, remarking about uh, I, I re-listened to the the Canon the podcast the Canon episode where Devin Faraci uh, talks about how Lipnicki must be a retarded child. Does he say that on the episodes? Yes, multiple I, times. Oh, Jesus. He, I mean, he says retard, and then he says, uh, you know, mentally handicapped. Blah, blah. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of funny if he was a bit more sensitive, but I think he, like, is playing that character on the show. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he's not talking about the kid as much as the character in the role. 
um, which which makes it better. More. You're, you're saying he he's totally sincere in thinking that this kid is mentally handicapped. No, he's like this kid <laughs> sucks, and uh, why do they have him in there? And he's just cutesy. But um, <clears throat> Jerry Maguire. So there are things that I admire about this, um, and it definitely starts that uh, Cameron Crowe trope of the guy who fails, and now we're going to see where he goes. And it does some good with that, but it also does some really bad with that. Well, could you could you talk could you talk about that a little bit more, or maybe Jake, you can illuminate on this. The, gonna... uh, what? Yeah, yeah, go for it, Jake. I was going to say, um, first of all, I think Tom Cruise is really actually really good in this film. Yeah, um, I will. I will. Yeah, he has a really good performance. I think that. Um, a lot of uh you know a lot of the problems from it stem from you know Cameron Crowe's like like the uh I don't know I don't know how well the I you had me at hello scene works it just seems like Cameron Crowe being Cameron Crowe um yeah. but I think well, there's those, you know things like that's a problem with this movie or or some of some of its problem is like that so much of it had penetrated like the the natu- like the cultural consciousness as like mm-hmm. these big quotes that like it's hard to take serious on a reviewing but it's that's, also interesting. That, yeah. Yes, I, I was gonna say yeah. That's the thing. It's like you can't. I've seen it so many times elsewhere. You've I can't. Par- you, you've seen it parody like uh, so yeah. many times as well. So like yeah. when he's like when he's uh, getting fired and he's leaving and he's saying like who's coming with me? It's like I can only view like half baked or whatever. Um, uh, but like there are other things like you complete me. Uh, you had me at hello. Um, but like the things like, uh, the, um, the, you complete me, which I think is like, so, so I should say like the main crux of this movie and, and, um, using the canon as a jumping off point where they, they both like, they disagree. Um, the, the two, uh, the co-hosts of the canon disagree about, um, the merits of the movie, but they both agree that it's trying to be cynical. Um, and that's what makes Jerry Maguire at least an interesting watch, whether it's good or not, is, is like that it's that it might be trying to do something. Um, but but that line, um, you had me at hello. They don't even mention this in that in the canon, but um, that's something that like he's just regurgitating that he saw somebody see. But like when it's yeah. incorporated into the the, the uh, vernacular of pop culture, like. It it's not taken into context that yeah he doesn't know what he's doing he doesn't know how to handle a relationship he's just like regurgitating what he saw somebody else do yeah he watched it was a a, a deaf couple in an elevator were signing to each other and um, she recognizes it she Renee Zellweger says oh my aunt did sign language he said uh, you complete me and when he's trying to win her back at the end. Um, people think when taken out of context exactly that they think oh just Tom Cruise is being this romantic guy but he's really just grasping for straws and trying to right. you know get her you know on his side yeah and so there's that scene and also there's another really good scene that um, is also underappreciated because it is, these are pretty much the only two scenes that I appreciated in the movie Um where he's coming home, I can't remember exactly the the instance, but he's in the car and he's and he's like on a high, uh, emotional high, and he's trying to find a song to, to that he knows, like that he can sing to, yeah. and he like is trying so hard, and it takes him like four songs until he's like, and it's like you know the cheesy like like top forty. What is it like build me a buttercup? 
I don't know. No, I'm going to build you a buttercup. No, it's cheesier and worse than, than Build Me Up Buttercup. It's butter worse than Build Me Up Buttercup. Oh, that's a good cup. song. Get out. Ah. And, uh, but it's something like uh, like that. It's something super cheesy. But but the basic fact is is that he's trying to um, to relate to to um, the, popu- the popular whatever. He's trying to... The to, zeitgeist, if you will. Sure. Uh, but he's just trying to be a part of something. And and it takes him. It, it's even hard for him to even find a song that he can even sing to, um, yeah. which speaks to like some alienation that just Crow, Crow just doesn't capitalize it on at all. I don't think, or tries to, but falls miserably. Yeah, he eventually lands on a uh, free falling by Tom Petty. He does. Uh, 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 boy, he's out of touch with his psychic. That song must have been a hit one year prior to. <laughs> Fucking three. Um, what? Well, damn, he's so out of touch. The so, weird thing uh, about uh, the weird thing about Jerry Maguire, though, I just I just want to say like one thing is if this movie were to come out today, like uh-huh. there's there's so many of those lines like you know you had me in hello and then the show me the money and and all that stuff. It's basically like if, if it came out today, it'd just be like a series of Tumblr memes. Like that that's yeah. what that <laughs> all, all the yeah. all the big moments from this movie. That's what they that's what they make me think of. Yeah. Doesn't that yeah. make you feel like the movie? Is like ahead of its time. I mean, I'm not defending Stop. Cameron. No, I'm not defending Cameron Crowe in the least, and I think Jeremy McGuire's a huge pile of shit. Mm-hmm. But how you really feel? Don't you kind of feel like that? That mem- meme worthy <laughs> nature <laughs> of it. Did you just fuck up saying the word meme? <laughs> uh, I I fuck up on my own terms. Here's a guy who knows how to talk about the zeitgeist. I uh, talk about that zeitgeist. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and that's another thing you you can say to Cameron Crowe's credit. Even when he makes movies that I don't really like, uh, there's very memorable moments from movies Besides that I don't care about. There's a lot of me 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 me. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I'm when you go to like I'm say anything in the Peter Gabriel scene, and then obviously the scenes from Jerry Maguire and the Tiny Dancer from Almost Famous, and I mean, yeah. you can go through his whole career, and there's 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 something except for you know recently. Right, you could look at you could look at Cameron Crowe's career, and despite the fact that it kind of predates the, I'm sorry, I don't want to fuck this up in 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 your eyes. Which is a song that uh, Cameron Crowe has uh, utilized. But uh, in your eyes, uh, come. I don't want to fuck up the word meme. Uh, so Cameron Crowe Crow would indeed utilize said, said word meme uh, to his fullest potential, as he did. In- I don't even know what you're saying. Basically, basically uh, uh, Jerry Maguire, um, my closing words, it doesn't mean you guys can keep commenting on it, but um, I feel like it it might truly be trying to do something cynical, but it just doesn't know how to capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't know how to uh, really cement that, and it ends up just being like in sort of nowhere, no, like no man's land. Also, there's a bonus scene where gosh and that i hate to keep like talking a about it but that scene that episode of the, bonus the episode of the canon uh they they said that this scene was sweet but i couldn't oh, maybe Christ. maybe it's because uh i can't take cameron or not cameron Carroll, i can't take tom cruise as sweet but uh is the hug un- scene yeah he's un no he's undoing the dress or it breaks of uh renee zellweger's and he like they're on the porch, and it's before he gets invited in or whatever, and uh, Dick from High Fidelity uh, disapproves. Um, 
And Dick from High Fidelity is in that film? Yeah. Uh, oh, I playing, love that guy. He's playing Dick from High Fidelity. <laughs> 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 but uh, <laughs> yeah. anyway, Tom Cruise. There's this sweet moment. It kind of does start out as sweet. He's, he's like kissing her clavicle, and then he starts going down on uh, her. That, that but it's like, sick. but but let's it, go back to Dick from High Fidelity. No, he's such a more uh, relatable affable, character. Yeah. No, but like it's clearly like logistically not possible that he's doing anything um, right, like stimulating Dick. to her, and she's just like, oh. And it's like, what is going on? You're on the front porch and you're in your clothes. I just don't buy it as sweet, but uh, apparently Shit. some people do. So what you're saying is Dick from High Fidelity is the best character in the movie. That's true. In every movie, really. I want to make one, add one point to Aloha. I'm sorry. It's just fine. To it all comes back to cat. Aloha. And Dick, so, so, Jake, what you're saying is Dick from High Fidelity appears in Aloha and he's no, but the in, best character in said movie as well. No, not only that, but um, <laughs> in Cameron Crowe's quest to always capture the zeitgeist, uh, there's a reference to Tupac's hologram in Aloha. There is. Oh, that is, oh, that is wow. very true. Yeah. Wow, Cameron Crowe. That was like two years. Within two years, Cameron Crowe, you're ace in it. No, well, you're they ace. shot Aloha in the 90s, so it's actually ahead of its time. Hey, Cam. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not 10 years behind the times, you're ahead of the times, right? Now I know why they call him Cam. That's what I heard from uh, Travers of Rolling Stone, right? Oh, God. So, Jake, I know that you were – I think out of all of us, you're the only one who who dove into Cameron Crowe's, like, early work. So I was wondering, could you – I'm the martyr. You you are the martyr. Uh, we yeah we we got we got to move on. We're running out of time here. We don't got to move on, Sean. We got to move on to more Jerry. No more Jerry. No more Jerry. Just like Jerry Maguire's clients moved on, and then they moved on <laughs> they back moved to him. On, we, we don't even get to talk about Jay Moore. Because yeah, like, like Jerry, we are too extreme for the sports uh, agency. I don't even know that was a sentence. So, no, Jake, uh, let's I'm talk. Sorry, let's I'm talk. Uh, I, I've really derailed this whole podcast, so go ahead. I'm, no, the I, listeners love it. They, they love it. They love it. I'm they sure. Love, shoot. Wait, wait, we wait, love wait, my wait. digression. There were two things. Sorry. There are actually a couple of notes that I have about Jerry Maguire that I wanted to talk about that I think are interesting. Okay. Uh, one, we want right. to hear these. One, uh, there's a scene with a kid, play, uh, a black kid playing basketball in his blue jeans. I don't understand that scene. Um, <laughs> there, just throwing it out there. There's also. <laughs> there was a black man in blue jeans. Is that not racist? He's kidding. That no. is, that's like fucking. That's like Mobile, Alabama shit. No, but hey, so my point Iros, hey. take it down a notch. What are my, we like? Jesus Christ, that's fucking the racist. Point, my, my point is that uh, it's leading into my next note, which is that Cameron Crowe doesn't know how to write anything other than the white male. Um, and it's very evident uh, throughout all of his work, but especially in Jerry Maguire. Um, and the racial politics between the football players is especially egregious, I think. Um so you have what's his name Connolly um, playing the foot the quarterback. Oh, what's his name? Uh-huh. Yeah. See White from uh, Buying the Cow. We've all we've all seen Buying the Cow, of course. Is that um, Buying the Cow Man White? Um, so so it's White Man Connolly playing the, the quarterback, of course, and then we oh, have Cuba, White Man Connolly, and then we have Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, in his Oscar-winning role uh, playing um, a typical black man uh, football player. Um, I don't know. I had a I had trouble digesting this whole scenario. Hey man, uh, Cuba Cuba won an Oscar. 
Yeah, and I don't think yeah, that, that he deserved that, it. Boy, that sure does seem uh, yeah. kind of perfunctory, doesn't that? <laughs> I don't Should, think did White it. Man Conley fucking win an Oscar? Well, he's in like two scenes. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but, but so so there made? are there are a lot of uh, nuances, small nuances that um, uh, things like um, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s brother wearing a shirt that says "I'm black" that doesn't mean I'm criminal, and then there, it also has his wife saying things to their son when his son says "mofo," saying. Hey, why don't you be the only man in your family who doesn't use that word? And Jesus. I, I, I had a lot of trouble uh, because, you know, Cameron Crowe is obviously an auteur, so he's a writer and director. He's an auteur. That's what you're saying. Well, uh, in, the, in, the cultural in, the, in, in this Crowcast, we are apparently describing Cameron Crowe yeah. as I, I an just, and, and most of those Oscar-winning scenes from Cuba Gooding Jr. are him just being, like, super loud um, and just, like, super. outrageous. And I, I, I just don't think that it was appropriate. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of parts. Like, the Cuba stuff, I never understood. I think I liked Cuba Gooding Jr. in Jerry Maguire better when I first saw the movie when I was, like, 12. Because um, mm-hmm. he's just, yeah, he's, he's just such a, like, a, a big, like, boisterous character. But yeah. you realize, like, many of Cameron Crowe's characters that there's really not a lot to him when no. it comes down to it. Show, show me but the money. It doesn't That's help. All it's a black That's athlete. All it it's contrasted by a white athlete who's, like, this uh, down south, like, uh, quiet boy who's just a do-gooder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got a good mind for the game, uh, so yeah. Let's 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 move on from Jerry. I, I think I think we covered a lot of good Jerry Maguire ground here. I, I really want to talk about because the one thing I want to get into because people have talked about Almost Famous at length, and I feel like if we were to talk about Almost Famous, we would basically be rehashing a lot of the things we've already been talking about. I'm really interested though in in his almost beginnings and Almost Heroes exactly. Uh, no, I, I, wa- I want to hear about like Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Say Anything, two movies that I don't think I've seen in like 10 years at hey, least. Hey, wait, starring Nick Coppola? Yes, yes. So, Jake, you watch these. Fast Times especially. I remember really enjoying that when I was in high school and I watched it. Is it is it good? Is it okay? I mean, this is like uh, – it's supposedly this classic like example of like 80s teen stoner comedy cinema. Like is, is it as good as people say it is? I you know it's not amazing or anything, but I'd say it's perfectly okay. You know you could you could sit down one night and watch it, and it, it's perfectly innocuous. You wouldn't That's, you know. I, and what else could we one, ask of Cameron? What more Crow? could you hope for? And yeah. you know it's it's probably one of Sean Penn's best roles before he you know journeyed out to play an Oscar grumming grubbing retard. <laughs> um, can we can we talk about? Moment. Feel free to mute that if you want. <laughs> can, can also, we, uh... Uh, the the teacher in. Um, Mr. Hand in Fast Times, the teacher, he says aloha when he greets his class. Mm. Ah, much like in Elizabeth. So wait, the, yeah. the, the, teacher's, the teacher's name in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont Time, it's, it's, it's Mr. Jerry Maguire. H- Mr. Hands? Mr. Hand. No, not oh. Mr. Hands, not the horse guy. Okay. <laughs> well, because I know Cameron Crowe also made We Bought a Zoo, and I didn't know if that was in any way related to the documentary no, Zoo. No, Matt Damon's character was Mr. Hands in that one. Oh, okay. That makes perfect sense then. All right. Yeah. Now I understand. Um, yeah. So the yeah the a, a lot of Fast Times is held together by '80s montages of music from the era, which is you know Crow's propensity for doing. Sure, sure. Um, but I think you know there's a lot of you know there's a lot of little nuanced performances and stuff like when um, Jennifer Jason Lee and the the boy who likes her they're at her place 
And, you know, there's just there's a shot of them sitting on the bed talking. They're looking at a yearbook. And there's like there's a shot to their feet, just kind of like fidgeting to, like their own feet together, like obviously nervous. And I, you know, it's little touches like that that stand out, mm-hmm. you know, not so much Sean Penn being, you know, the obnoxious surfer bro. Although a few of his lines did make me laugh, like when he goes to his world history class. Um, the Mr. Hand goes, what are you doing here? And he goes, this is world history, right? I see the globe right over there. <laughs> I, I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee is, oh my God. <laughs> oh God, what's happening? Um, Jennifer is dropping everywhere. Jennifer Jason Lee's <laughs> scene in the dugout. Uh, I, I remember being very affecting. Yeah. Yeah. Where uh, she's statutory raped in the dugout. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Wow. So that, that's oh, another that's another Cameron Crowe theme too because like the whole thing about almost famous is it's just like a bunch of adult women trying to have sex with 15-year-old Cameron Crowe. Yeah. Because that's that's his ultimate fantasy. What song is playing at that moment? Jackson uh, Brown. In in uh in which one? Fast Times or uh, Yeah, yeah almost. when she's in the dugout. I don't remember actually. I'm sorry. Yeah, my wife thinks it's Jackson Brown. I'll look up something. It also has the... the been going that whole goddamn movie. Yeah, perhaps. I just like Nick Coppola's role as the uh, mall uh, concession stand man. He uh, has... Nick Cage has two shots. Coppola. Blink and you miss him. Yeah, Nick Coppola. Excuse me. Nick Coppola. He's two blink and you miss him shots. One of them is uh, just a shot of him behind the... Uh, the doing the fries at a uh, at a burger joint. And uh-huh. another one is just of him cheering for a football team, but he's he's totally in it. I'll text he's you. Very that. method, yeah. yeah. Very um, method. Now, say anything. I really don't like that movie. At least I don't think I do. I've seen it twice, and both times I I didn't really get anything out of it. I I just thought like as far as like John Cusack eighties comedies go, I was just like, ah, oh, it's kind of like a shittier version of Better Off Dead. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I really like Better Off Dead. It's um, Better Off Dead's really I, I, I kind of wish say anything focused just on the relationship, but then there's also um, her dad's IRS issues, which are annoying, and uh, then there's also um, he has like a friend. I I don't know the actress's name. Mm-hmm. What's who am I thinking of? John Cusack's friend is like she's going through a breakup of her own, and just all her scenes are just her, you know spouting out these moody songs on her guitar that she carries with her everywhere, which is really annoying. But I, you know, I think the love story between the two leads is kind of sweet, to be honest. And the, uh, the boombox scene, of course, kind of is, I mean, if you were to sum up Cameron Crowe in one image, it would be the boombox scene. Because what he does is he just sits back and lets the music do all the work. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a lot of that. We always end up back at Aloha, don't we? There's a lot of that in Aloha where yeah. it, it's almost like it, the movie is very slow and plotting Aloha. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's moments where it's like almost like Cameron Crowe doesn't know how to film, uh, how to like fill space, but he wants to keep pushing the plot forward. So he just hits like play on his Jonesy song and just lets it go. Mm-hmm. For a guy that doesn't know how to fill space, a lot of his movies come in over two hours long. Yes. <sighs> Which is fucking frustrating if you ask me there's no reason elizabeth town needs to be two hours and five minutes long no oh yeah let's talk not. about elizabeth town E-town. okay yeah we got we're we're getting we're creeping up on the hour mark so let's let's do elizabeth town and then uh i want to hear jake talk about the zoo for a minute because i oh, i don't yeah, know anything zoo. about the zoo, the zoo. Okay, okay so give me elizabeth town elizabeth town so jake and i both saw this um 
Yeah. It's a movie that maybe to some of us that are uh, media geeks or film geeks um, know best as the progenitor for the MPDG trope, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Not not that it not that the text itself um, propelled that on its own, like creation, but um, that's what fueled uh, Nathan Rabin, the film critic. Um, to write about and create the the trope manic pixie dream girl um, yeah that uh, Kirsten Dunst uh, epitomizes which is the female uh, the ingenue if you will that is unattainable and super cool and um, unrealistic basically um, so Elizabeth Town has that obviously um, it also like Jerry Maguire starts with that voiceover um, mm-hmm. Where he's hitting rock bottom before something surprising happens. Uh, yeah. but what's really surprising about Elizabeth Town that uh, um, I think Jake can um, support is that <clears throat> it's really weird because it's a guy who is well well like known um, as a film director and writer uh, in the industry, but Elizabeth Town is this weird cycle of Zach Braff pilfering from crow who's stealing from zach braff to make this movie so this is like this this is like a garden state ripoff which is a ripoff of cameron crow that's oh jesus i'm glad i haven't seen elizabeth town i don't know if i'd be able to sit through it Uh, let me say this seeing all the horrifying description of a movie i've ever heard Let me let me say this. Seeing all of these films, Elizabethtown is easily the worst. It's the mm. worst one. I had to fast forward through the last twenty five minutes. It was insufferably bad. Yeah, I could definitely watch more of Elizabethtown, or I mean, more of Aloha than Elizabeth. Yeah, I would watch Aloha again over Elizabethtown because it's you know shorter. Well, and and I will least. say about Aloha, it's this isn't really praise in any way, shape, or form. Aloha is curiously shitty. Like there's there, it's it's slow and it's plotting and it's boring but there's so many like bad decisions and just like head scratching things it's just like what so it has that yeah. going for it <laughs> yeah I texted Sean when I saw uh, Elizabethtown I said it's like Cameron Crowe watched Garden State and said I can do this <laughs> yeah but with a bigger budget yeah, yeah. exactly uh, and another thing that um it kind of like Aloha and Jerry Maguire it's a, a the lead is a famous white guy who is seems to have it all is on top of the world and then he has cost has, his one big mistake makes him hit rock bottom and in Orlando Bloom's case he makes a defective shoe for his company that costs them nearly a billion dollars yeah. Jesus which makes yeah. them Nike basically yeah uh, to wait, lose wait. that much money and still keep going which it seems like a company that large has quality control where like one dude at, at that level can't make that large of a mistake. Yeah, but, you, it would – yeah, the assembly line and all that would have caught it. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. but uh, and I don't have a vendetta. Like I don't have a predisposition like aversive to Orlando Bloom. But he is so bad in this movie. Like just his voice, his affectation is just – Beyond terrible. It's unwatchable. He almost chokes to death trying to make an American accent work. Oh, yeah, Jesus. and we're supposed to believe that he's going to commit suicide, which is like, the, yeah, it's it's not believable at all. Uh, Nor and, is the thing he rigs. He duct tapes right. a kitchen knife to a exercise bike. Right. Oh, so that's that's like a clear like flaw. So if if you're um, 
if your main characterization is somebody who's who's on the verge of suicide and it's played by Orlando Bloom who like plays it as if it's a joke the, the, it's you you're doomed your movie's doomed um but yeah this is a very Cameron Crowe like movie um you know where like a, you know the music he thinks that the music is going to um make up for for every other flaw that that he is not concerned with with um compensating for but if you look deeper at like the gender um uh, d- dynamics or relational dynamics um he's dating Jessica Beale okay in the beginning which yeah. to a lot of people um is uh a tantamount to a supermodel yeah that's a pretty um, good poll i got to say and uh right and for no discernible reason at all she is thrown to the wolves um because she works for this company uh, there's no, there's no reason why like their relationship has dissolved. Um, it's just sort of like implied that, uh, he doesn't want anything to do with her because she's part of this mistake that he made. Uh, and it, it's totally like, um, it's, it's like micro misogyny on, on the part of Cameron Crowe, uh, which is just something you learn to, uh, to, to take, um, when you watch his movies. But, um, this, this movie is sort of the, uh, dis- it's it's everything that he does wrong at its full peak. Ooh, yeah. That's rough. Yeah, I, I'm never going to watch that. Yeah, and Orlando Bloom is horrible. It's a case where uh, the horribly miscast central lead makes a bad film worse. Yeesh. Yeah, and Christian Dunst, like, she doesn't do herself any favors either. Like, she does, like, her accent is like Zellweger's Cold Mountain Oh God! It's bad. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Now, I have a question about the zoo movie. Let's let's yeah. talk. Let's yes. talk about when Cameron Crowe bought a zoo. Um, Hit me. This, yeah. I, I think I think this is a good way to 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 you know end our our crow down before we we say aloha. Um, Sign on. This yeah. is this is the only thing I know about. We bought a zoo. One, it's not the movie Zoo, which you informed me, which is good. Uh, yeah. Two, it's not the zookeeper. That's a different movie. That's that's from a different podcast. Uh, and three, I saw an interview with Cameron Crowe when I was prepping for this podcast, and he said that he convinced Matt Damon to like be part of this project by making Matt Damon mix CDs, which is the most Cameron Crowe thing ever. <laughs> so what 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 is what is we bought a zoo? Why would you name? that that's like is that the plot like <laughs> yeah um matt damon's a widow and uh he has two kids and he's got a little cute little girl she's just so so perfectly cute and then he has a troubled <laughs> teenage son in middle school and he they have to move because his son is getting expelled from school for i forgot what and so they're looking for a new home and they find this, you know, 18 acre house and he's like, we're going to live here. And then the realtor's like, oh, there's just one condition. This is a zoo. And like, OK, we'll take it. And then it's just kind of him what? <laughs> trying to get his life back together. And How is that can... a movie? Is it like when, when you when the realtor's like, by the way, there's fucking elephants. Don't you go? Ah, well, we'll look at another place. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like up in a bedroom. And um, I forget who plays the realtor. It's a comedian of sorts but uh, ron riggle please what is it john cleese no it's not john cleese um 
I'll, I'll try to look it up while I'm talking, okay. but they're up in the, this bedroom and, you know, Matt Damon's like, it's just such a great place for a great deal. What's the catch? And then you hear a lion roar and then the guy's like, it's also a zoo. And, and he's like, okay, we're going to, we'll take it. We'll take the zoo. And then there comes with a team of um, people that work there, including Scarlett Johansson and Patrick Fujit, the lead from Almost Famous, who here he has a monkey on his shoulder at all times. And oh, it's on. it's backed entirely by a, a Sugar Rose. They scored the whole film. <laughs> uh, are you serious? Yeah, yeah they scored the whole movie. And the whole scene, it's just scenes of uh, Matt Damon um, just, you know, getting this zoo together so it can pass inspection and then open up for the rest of the world. And that's the movie. I, I have a, a proposed project for Optimism Vaccine. <laughs> watch something good? Yeah, <laughs> yeah can, we, can we watch something good next time? Yeah. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Can we, can we make Cameron Crow bingo? Is that a thing ooh, we ooh. could do? Like, because he, he seems to recycle so many of these different things that I hate so much. I think we could probably fill a bingo card. JB, yeah. hang on, got it. JB Smoove is the realtor. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. hey, Not John Cleese. We didn't talk about. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, I think only one of us watched, or I, I should say, rewatched this because I've definitely seen it. But uh, just in case there's a listener out there who's like, "Why well, really? Like, when are you going to talk about Vanilla Sky?" Jake, can you give us like one or two sentences on uh, Vanilla Sky? Yeah, it's a frustrating start to Cameron Crowe's decline as a filmmaker and possibly a human being. Mm-hmm. Okay, but can you say anything positively about Cam- uh, Cameron Diaz and or Penelope Cruz? I will say this: that ending shot of the eye opening is just mind blowing. <laughs> Here, here's what I think of te- Vanilla Sky. It to you guys right now, if. Uh, if you like, I don't know, it, it's almost like if you took Eyes Wide Shut or something and then you just, every, everyone in the movie, you, you, you put them in a dark room and then you walked in and you banged them all over the head with a lead pipe and then, then they had to make Eyes Wide Shut and that's Vanilla Sky. It's just incompetent and it thinks it's so much smarter than it is and there's no talent or anything. But in Kurt that. Russell is in it. And Kurt Russell is in it. And it's and the funny thing is is and Michael Shannon's in it too. Oh Jesus! Yeah, so many right. talented people that Cameron Crowe ruins. And yeah. there was the, like there there this is Vanilla Sky is a remake. There's already a movie that was pretty critically acclaimed, and yeah, it's it's fine. Penelope. I'm not I'm not in love with it, but it's it's a pretty decent movie. Also starring Penelope Cruz. Also yeah. starring Penelope Cruz, and Cameron Crowe finds a way to do a. a a remake of a movie and, and just ruin it. And you didn't. You know he what, didn't even have to Steve? Do I, don't, I don't think it's a remake. I think it's a remix. A remix. <laughs> Ignition. If we're gonna, yeah, yeah. It's a song about pissing. <laughs> it's certainly Ch- something close Ch- to that. Chappelle's show. Oh Jesus. Um. But yeah. I, God damn, Vanilla Sky. And it's another one of those movies too. It's it's in that like Donnie Darko camp of movies that you probably think is really cool when you're 15, and then you right. see it later in life. You're like, oh fuck, what what was I thinking? Yeah, uh, it thinks if it keeps its audience at bay, it's it's elusive and mysterious, and you want to keep watching it. But it's just very irritating to me. Like I don't want to you know spend time with this vain asshole of a character. But, yeah. but it opens with Radiohead. Oh yeah, of course it does. And, oh my God, Tom Cruise running through empty New York—that's like his wet dream as an actor. <laughs> Just him running and nobody else. Yeah, but it's like he's running through uh, his soul. Um, 
Yeah. I, I yes. just I just want to say really quick, uh, shout out to Jake right now, who throughout the podcast, every time he makes a reference to something, he's been sending us the pictures. So he sent he <laughs> sent us the picture of, of Nicolas Cage in Fast Times. And Coppola. he just he just said, Nick Coppola, my mistake. Uh, <laughs> and, he, and he also just sent us a picture of the, the eye scene from Vanilla Sky. So thank you, Jake. You're a trooper. Yeah. You're very welcome. Uh, I guess the one the last thing I want to say is, what what would you say is your one takeaway? Like, if you had to describe Cameron Crowe, like, what is the essence of Cameron Crowe to someone who has never seen any of his movies? What do you say? Say so he's a guy that makes just very vanilla films filled with optimism, and everything is just gonna be all right. The titular There's vanilla. No cynicism. That's why. I, that's why I wanted to name his genre film. It's the vanilla film, but he already named a movie Vanilla Sky. So I don't know <laughs> if I can quite say that. But yeah. seriously, he makes the whitest, most you know, yeah. positive. You know, everyone ends well, smiling bullshit. Mm-hmm. Back to, back with a soundtrack that you know everyone thinks they love the movie because they are familiar with the soundtrack. So yeah, he hides but, behind it because you're like, oh, I like that song, and then you just you, you don't think about. What's yeah, actually I, was gonna, I, I would say like one of the things that I really learned about him, like one of the things that I can really articulate as a common thread is that his films are literally about uh, basically like a trust fund adult um, making a mistake that's totally correctable and fine and very like white guy problem type of thing and portraying mm-hmm. them as vulnerable. And then we um, have to sympathize with that. Yeah, and I, I think it's I, I think both of you guys are completely on point, and I, I think it's also fair to point out that he has possibly gotten worse at being Cameron Crow. <laughs> He's like trying to out crow himself because if you go back to the idea of just like you know rich white guy makes a mistake that's easily correctable. If, I mean, I haven't seen We Bought a Zoo, but from what I understand, the mistake was we decided to buy a zoo even though we didn't have to, and now we have to deal with our zoo? Is that... And he let, it, and, and he let his wife die. So. Yeah, he let well, his wife die, that selfish prick. Yeah. And he bought a zoo. What a dick, yeah. Don't let yeah. people die. Just make people live forever. God. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I, I, think, I think we pretty much nailed everything. Jake, you, you are a goddamn saint for sitting through all those Cameron Crowe movies. I, I, don't, I don't have the patience. I, I admire you for your, um, your masochism. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is is Myros currently puking up the twenty seven beers he undoubtedly drank tonight? Yeah, he's literally putting something over right now. He's putting yeah, he's <laughs> he's putting over a double cheeseburger and nineteen beers into the toilet. He's, put, he's putting over a Dagwoods burger. He's right put, oh yeah, he's put, you guys went to uh, Dagwoods. That's that's a great bar in Lansing. Uh, okay, well, so what are you putting over this week, Sean? I am putting over. Okay, so. Um, there's a podcast that uh, isn't isn't new at all, um, but uh, is this just going to be an ongoing Canon commercial for you? Is that what you're doing? No, no, no. <laughs> it's uh, older than that. Um, so it's Pete Holmes is you made it weird, and um, it's a podcast that oh, I- it's a good podcast. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a podcast that I fell in love with uh, quite a while ago, like probably like three years ago, um, that Steve Coleman turned me on to, and. I fell in love with it, and then it sort of like took shape here and there as something. <sighs> the beauty of you made it weird is that it's open ended, and you don't know what to expect, and it's all sort of like guided by by his his guest that he's interviewing. Um, but it turned into like a very like L.A. navel gazing, um, unapologetically L.A. navel gazing podcast. Uh, you know where there would be like an hour about spring water. Um, but it 
course corrects here and there. And recently he's done very well with, um, uh, he did Dan Harmon, which is a good episode. It's not great, but it's good. At least in the first hour, it's good. Um, and then it sort of is about pontificating about abstract, uh, universal like ideas. Um, and then he, he, after that he had Keegan Michael Key on and, um, that's really nice just because you get to see how quick and smart Keegan Michael Key is and he's just a gracious person. But the one thing that I want to put over is, um, the episode after that, which was with Jermaine Clement of Flight of the Concords. Um, this is an absolutely amazing episode. It's, it's, the, it's one of the top like five top three even like episodes of this podcast i for my money like i i was laughing i was in tears from laughing um jermaine clement is just like a, a wonderful uh comedic personality where he you know he's typical like uh very dry you know he's from new zealand um and uh their comedy is related to british humor where it's very dry it's not trying to hit home runs it's just sort of like sneaking in a comment here and there mm-hmm. uh, and he does that uh very well throughout this podcast so listen to that you made it weird with jermaine clement and uh, have a lot of fun very cool yeah I, I actually just saw uh his that vampire movie that he had what we do in the shadows i think that's what yeah, it's called. yeah 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 and that was fun and i i think yeah you nailed this humor pretty well too. and everybody's seen flight of the concords and stuff but um, I, I'm glad to see that he's he's branched out a little bit from that because what we do in the shadows is it's like s- subtly hilarious. Like there's mm-hmm. not a lot of big belly laughs, but it's just like a lot of chuckling throughout. It's it's pretty good, pretty good. Uh, Jake, what are you putting over this week? I'm gonna put over the. There's a new Noah Baumbach movie out. It's his second film in four months. Oh wow! Uh, it's called Mistress America, and I really liked it. It's um kind of plays like a uh, if you like Francis Ha, it's like Francis Ha 2.0. But uh, it's completely enjoyable, and I think probably one of his best films, and one of the best films I've seen this year. Also backed by a really good uh, techno-ish soundtrack, but it's not ob- obnoxious in any way. Somebody huh. crying in the background somewhere? No, Mario's uh, probably uh, vomiting uh, inside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's um, really good, especially since there's kind of been a uh, I don't know a drought in cinema lately. Sure, you but, didn't uh, like Fantastic Four. I didn't see it. <laughs> it's probably probably for the best. I didn't like the man from Uncle. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I, I haven't seen something good in a long time. Like, uh, I, you know, I did the, the sixty second movie reviews, and I haven't done one in a while just because uh, I can't. Those. I can't those bring are, myself. Those are, I like. I gotta say, I, I like watching those. Those are a lot of fun. Thank you. Know. Thank you. You're, yeah, and if you're listening to this podcast, go to youtube.com backslash optimism vaccine. You dicks. Yeah. If you uh, like, uh, if 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 you like uh, Noah Baumbach stuff. Um, Mr. Mistress America is really good. I, so I like it. The way his films are, you know, they have a very this one in especially has a very you know snappy rhythm to it as far as you know the dialogue and the humor mm-hmm. goes. Yeah, I uh, I need to see something good because after the crow down and then just weeks and weeks <laughs> and weeks of seeing horrible shit to do the the mm-hmm. videos, uh, and someone actually replied to the the YouTube page and they like wrote a comment and they're just like. Why do you only see bad movies? Why don't you see something good? I'm like, why are they only releasing bad movies? I would love to see something good. It's not like I enjoy, you know, paying $10 to go see fucking Paul Blart. Yeah, even like I just saw Straight Outta Compton yesterday. And even that, like, which is like supposed to be like a hit of the summer. It was like good, but like there is so much that if you're going to take a close critical look at it, Mm. you can't keep yourself but from like really finding the problems in that movie sure sure 
I'm with you there, Sean. I, you know, it was it was enjoyable, but I think it could have been so much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is is Myros is is he alive? Is he going to put something over? Or are we just going to? Uh, no, no, he's put over all he could. He, he's, <laughs> he's he's put more out than he's put over. Uh, I'm going to put over. over... No, I think he was going to put over uh, what he watched on the plane. Um, from... Taken three, which was Taken three. <laughs> Adam Myros loves Taken 3. That's what you need to take away from this podcast. I think that should be the title. I mean, I like Crowdown, but and I also like the the op Venti or whatever you said, but uh Venti Vatcast. Sure, let's just call it Adam Myros really likes Taken 3. How about Crowdown colon Venti Vatcast dash Adam Myros likes Taken 3. Perfect. That's the title. Put it in the books. I'll text it to you. <laughs> That's good. Then I'll text it. I'll text it to Myros so you can make the image. Um, I'm putting over this week Something a little bit odd. Um, I'm I'm putting okay. over a person, and I'm putting over an actor, and I'm putting over an object all at the same time. So my friend Stephanie, out of nowhere, just sent me a package. I got a package in the mail today. I had no idea what this was. I'm like, what the fuck did she send me? I open it up, and she gave me a Nicolas Cage uh, pillow cover. So I have a Nicolas Cage pillow What's in my bed Nicola? right now. Yeah, Nick Coppola, yeah. And it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So it's this black and white image of Nick Cage, right? And he's laying on this, like, animal print, uh, I don't know if it's, like, a bed or something, and he's shirtless, and he's just giving you this, like, steely gaze, and then when you rest your head on him, your your head, like, fits right into his, like, chest hair tufts. It's incredible. So, yeah, there's a Nick Cage uh, pillow on my bed right now. My life is perfect. Uh, I, I guess that, that pretty much does it, guys. So uh, I suppose that's aloha. 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 <laughs>